0: And
3: target him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat.
1: Now here's your host, Ralph Malbro. All
2: right, welcome to Saints Happy Happy Hour podcast. Tonight we have a special guest, Saints Hall of Fame receiver Joe Horn, is here to talk about a couple. He's going to talk Saints football. But first, Joe, I want to talk to you about some special things you've got going on uh, with Got Hands University and Future Stars 12 that's uh, great for the state of Louisiana and Mississippi. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, well,
4: basically, basically what it is, man, it's, uh, it's, it's a Future Stars with seventh and eighth graders. And we're giving all these kids an opportunity to play against other states. And, man, uh, Mississippi and Louisiana athletes, you know, we want their parents to get them an opportunity to put their best against the best in the state next to them. So basically that's what it is, man. And it's been phenomenal. Um, The the police officers, just trying to get them involved, giving them an opportunity to, you know, show some love to the youth to let them know that all police officers aren't bad and we're bridging the gap between law enforcement and our teens. So it's giving the 7th, 8th graders a lifetime experience, man. The kids stay for four days on a college campus, one night in a hotel. They get escorted on a charter bus, they get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, state troopers ex- escort the buses. It's like a sugar bowl experience for these young kids, man. And I think it's phenomenal for Terrell Bean and myself and a bunch of other guys to make it happen.
2: And how many years have you been doing
4: this? Uh, approximately three years, wow. if I'm not mistaken.
3: So,
0: well, that's great. I mean, I know it's from a from a from a youth perspective um, to get around. You know, your caliber of talent. Um, you know, it's got to be special. I remember. An old quote that Jim Hazlitt had from when, uh, let's see, Joe was probably 33, 34. and I remember the, the Haslett quote. You know, that someone from the media asked Haslett, "How do you feel about Joe Horn? Is, is he is he old now? Is he, you know, from from a physical standpoint? Do you expect to get much more out of him?" Uh, And the quote from Hazlitt was, you know, well, my doctor's telling me he's a 34-year-old with a 24-year-old body. Um, And so uh, I know that Joe knows how to take care of himself from a fitness and, and health point of view. And so... Um, you know, kind of being able to pick his brain um, and, and being around that, uh, you know, he he definitely knows what to tell young players. Yeah,
2: and you can go if you're on Twitter. You can go to future underscore stars twelve dot com. Follow that Twitter account. You can get uh, great information. And you can go to gothandsuniversity.com. dot com. Um, Joe, to turn the, the conversation to to uh, to football. Um, Andrew, I know you you wanted to start him off with uh, yeah, some, some well, questions about recent Saints.
0: Yeah, well, Joe, I, I don't know how much you follow the Saints now, um, but one one question I wanted to ask you is, you know, in your era, and I, I thought you, you had some contemporaries like Terrell Owens and, and Keyshawn Johnson mm-hmm. where I feel like they maybe towed the line of being so outspoken that at times, you know, great players, but they were a distraction to their team and a distraction to their mm-hmm. locker room. I thought right. you – you were outspoken, but you, you had a great balance uh, of, um, you know, kind of having that swagger that you need as a receiver. Uh, that, that a lot of receivers had that personality, but that, you know, you were still viewed as a great teammate and, and you had right. respect within the locker room. Um, right. so, so, Br- so, Brandon Cooks, you know, this year, you know, the Saints have the big win against the 49ers, huge offensive output. Mm-hmm. He has zero mm-hmm. catches. You know, as a receiver that kind of towed that line of having the locker room respect but being outspoken did did you view Cooks was that more on the Joe Horn side of things where it was towing the line but acceptable in your eyes or was it getting kind of in that T.O. or Keyshawn range
4: what, what did Brandon actually say after the win so
0: so after the game he had zero catches and you know Brandon Cooks you know there was a report that came out that he was unhappy with his role in the offense and that he wasn't seeing the football enough and when media approached him about it you know, as opposed to saying, hey, I'm happy about the win or I'm, I'm happy about the result. Uh, you know, he, he, his, his quote was um, um, hungry ma- – what, what was it? It was hungry mouths or uh, open mouths need to be fed, closed mouths don't get fed or something like that.
4: Mm. Well, Brandon's second year, right? Second or third year?
0: Yeah, second year.
4: Third year. Well, first, so
0: third year, third first, year,
4: yeah. Well, first of all, as far as NFL years, He's still young, and if I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with the Saints as much as I need to, because I have a lot of boys just growing up and they're doing their own things. However, um, Brandon obviously is a, is a um, one of the top ten receivers in the league, and I'm, I'm quite sure he feels like he should get the ball more, but he has to understand that Sean Payton's offense. And he's, he spreads the ball around each week to different receivers. Whoever that, whoever in the game plan that week that Drew sees that fits to throw it to. That's the way that offense has always ran. That's why you. That's why you haven't seen um, a Pro Bowl or Too many receivers go to the Pro Bowl. I think Marcus may have went once. Right? Uh, no, never went. No, never did. Oh, well, you're not going to see a receiver go to the Pro Bowl in new orleans unless one guy is targeted every sun every sunday and that's not going to happen and and that's 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 respect due to sean payton's offense he could throw it to anyone and still win football games brandon needs to understand that while he's in new orleans but other than that um it's, it's how you're respected through your peers through the guys you play with off the football field see brandon can be a hell of a guy off the football field and guys really know personal know him personally see I was, they loved me because off the football field, I would die for one of the guys. If I seen them in the street, so they were doing something they weren't supposed to do, they would call me and they would get my opinion on it. And the Coach Haslett or the coaching staff never knew about it. So they loved Joe Horn off the football field as much as they did on the football field. So they knew my heart. Mm-hmm. Some guys are selfish. Some guys are selfish. I'm not going to call any names, but <laughs> you can see it. And, and, and then on the football field, they may want the ball, but off the football field, they may be like, you know what the hell with those guys in the locker room. I don't have to hang with them. I make $7 million a year. I make my money. They make their money. They don't have to know my personal life. And, you know, people think that this football thing is a family-oriented type thing, and, and I beg to differ. Most of these guys come to work. They do their thing. They act like a family. And when they leave, they probably never call each other. And when they leave leave out the NFL, you never knew you even knew that person because they barely ever call you. So it's a big, it's a lot, it's a lot of hype. But back to the Brandon thing, I think he'll mature more, and I think he'll understand where he is, and once and know that the head coach that he's playing up under is not going to get him twenty balls a game. It's but not going to happen.
2: Joe, you bring up, you bring up a good big a good point about how it's a business and teams like to say it's a family atmosphere and that can be overblown sometimes. No. What is a thi- no. what what is a thing with a, you know, I know I know
5: I've interviewed There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of Select Can't Miss events.
6: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
2: Football players and and athletes in general, and they say, look, I don't. I don't worry about a guy, if, if a guy says he's holding out or he wants a better contract, I say that's his business, he needs to take care right. of his family. And that, and, they, and, and that doesn't bother players like it does necessarily fans. But what's things in a right. locker room that will bother, what, what do players see in a locker room that will bother them and say, man, you, you can't have that, we, we can't have that here. What's things that, that maybe bothers other players in the locker room that, that we as fans and media don't necessarily talk mm-hmm. about or even think about that really can, well, can, can say, split a locker let's
4: room. Let's say let's let's say for instance you have a field goal kicker who barely gets um any uh, notoriety. Let's say you have a fullback who basically they don't talk about, the offensive line who they never talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's say these guys have a great game, the special teams may have a great game and, and the football game is won. But you got a prima donna receiver or you got a prima donna uh quarterback that's pissed off because they didn't get their individual stats hyped, and they didn't do. They didn't get what they wanted to get. A la Brandon against the San Francisco 49ers, maybe. And the whole locker room, see, hey, man, we won this game. We did a great job as a team. We won. But you see Brandon complaining. Well, that can, that can split up a locker room because guys can go behind closed doors and say, you know what, man? We thought this guy was cool. He, he's worried about how many catches he got. We just beat the hell out of the 49ers. I'm just saying. I, I'm not trying to judge. I don't listen. I don't want Brandon to hear this, and fans and Saints to hear this interview with me and say Joe Horn's dog and Brandon. I'm not doing that. I respect the kid. I think he has a hell of a future in front of him. But but I, I state the facts. It is what it is. I just think that you know, other people in the locker room, you have to give them praise. I love my offensive line. I love my defensive line. I felt like if 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 if. If the defense held a team to 21 points, we're supposed to win every game. If a team scores, if a team is held under 20, held 21 points, and the New Orleans Saints offense, when I played, don't score 22 or more, then it's our fault. It's my fault. That's the way I felt, and, team, and my defensive players knew that. They knew they they loved me enough to say, you know what? That damn Joe Horn man, and Joe Joe ain't selfish at all, man. He loves to have fun. He loves to dance. He wants the football, but he's not gonna throw us under the bus if we lose.
2: You know, you you mentioned the 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 dancing and the fun part. I, I said when you when you when you did yourself on at the time, I I wrote a column for Channel Four. And I was like, they're they're taking the fun out of the NFL. Joe, I think if you did that today, I, I don't know what they would do to you. Is the is the NFL as hard as it it is to believe? Are they even do they allow less fun than they did when you played? Which is kind of hard to believe.
3: Do you
4: think? Well, yeah, because you never guys guys don't they they really don't know what they're gonna get fined for. I mean, nowadays, man I man, Odell, he can they can <laughs> they can throw whatever fine they want to throw at you and you gotta eat it. You basically gotta eat it. So if you're not making the big bucks, if you don't have the five year deal, thirty million dollar, fifteen, twenty five million up front, you really can't jam and get down like you want to get down. Odell can do what he <laughs> wanna want. do. Cause Odell can do what he wanna do. My man from Pittsburgh, the receiver, what's his name? Uh Brown um
0: Antonio Brown, yeah.
4: Antonio can do what he want to do, really, because the little fifteen twenty thousand dollar fine that they get is really a scratch in the bucket for them on on, on when they get their paycheck. But the guys that's really trying to trying to trying to come up and get big big contracts and they're making big plays, they really can't have fun. And it's I think it's sad because celebrations are celebrations. If you're going to cut out celebrations, cut all of them out. I I love Mike McCarthy. That's my hero, <laughs> Mike McCarthy threw me a lot of ball had me a yeah, lot of plays so what so what i'm getting ready to say don't affect the green bay packers and and my respect for mike mccarthy and his team when you do the lambo leap and because you come in as a commissioner and it's just um, a thing that they did and it was tradition in green bay the lambo leap is celebration if if a if a, if a, if, a, if a receiver jump up in the stands and his helmet hit a kid in the chin and they but and that kid chin bust open, yeah he may not sue the NFL because it's a tradition. But what if you just do that and something happen a little girl get hit mm. with your helmet and they get knocked out? Well, that, that could be detrimental to, to, to the NFL. Why why not cut the Lambeau Leap out? But you don't let guys pull out a sharpie. <laughs> you don't let guys go and pull out a cell phone and, and celebrate. See, it's a, it's a it's a distinction between the two. And I blame the in the commissioner for that. You know, he, he allows what he wanna allow.
0: Yeah, there is a bit of a double standard there. Um Yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, obviously we'll see if Goodell can last in the NFL and you know, who who would be next and, and if, if they would get oh, more he's last, or more last. He's, gonna, he's <laughs> gonna
4: last until he he's gonna last until he's ready to go, until the owners are ready for him to go. Fans, media can't fire Goodell. Players <laughs> can't get half of Goodell fired. It'll never happen.
0: All right, Joe. So here we go. I want to ask you about two, two, uh, let's see,
3: 2005,
0: okay. um, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. 2004. Um, and you know, I think this is, you know, a lot of people remember this era. Uh, a lot of saints fans, of course, uh, you had Aaron Brooks as your quarterback. I mean, a guy that, that was playing phenomenal football. He gets injured. He's visibly not, he's not playing at his, his usual level because he, He's got a throwing arm injury, and it would affect any quarterback. And you've got a very capable backup in Jake DeLome, who's won a couple games for you when he's had to come in as a sub, um, that that played Mm -hmm. well in preseason, and there started to be this swirl. And I know at the time, I know the players were hearing it, uh, that the fans were clamoring for Jake DeLome to come in and play. Uh, Can you tell us at the time in the locker room, was there kind of a similar sense amongst the players of, hey, something's not right with, with A.B., we may, we maybe need to make a change? Or was everyone kind of unilaterally supporting Hazlitt's decision to stick with Aaron Brooks?
4: Well, most people was supporting it. I didn't get into the thick of what was really going on with A.B. because I'm not, I tried to mind my own business. I didn't want to go and ask the trainers what's really going on with AB because I'm my brother's keeper.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I ride. If, if we ride, we ride. If 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 Jake's time to come up, he come up and he do his thing. Then you know it is Jake's time. New Orleans wasn't Jake's time. It just wasn't, guys. I, I just mm-hmm. feel that way, you know. And 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 although if if Jim Haslett makes the call and Jake Dillon could have came in the game and in the second quarter broke his. I mean, broke his clavicle. Anything could have happened, man. So yeah. he went on to Carolina and his time was in Carolina. He shined. And I do believe that for everybody. It might not be your, your podcast might not be the most, um, most uh, talked about podcast in the world, but guess what? Next year, you might have the number one podcast mm-hmm. in, in, in the nation. You just, you just never know, man. Anything can happen and that light, that strike, that match can strike at any time for anybody in this world. Aaron Brooks time, he was in New Orleans. He had a great career. His shoulder got hurt, and that's when he started to de- started to decline. The locker room was at a standstill because we had so much talent, but but uh, Jim Haslett had to find out a way to try to win football games. And you know what? We were almost at that point, and we just didn't get over the top, you know. And that's how I do it, Joe. Right, uh, well,
0: I've got a th- I've got a theory about it, Joe, and I just want you to tell me if you think I'm crazy mm-hmm. or, or way off base. Okay. But my okay. Th- my theory is that in in two thousand, when you joined the team, the team invested a lot of money in Jeff Blake. And that was Jim Hazlitt's guy. And he, he was real excited about you know the team had committed to Blake and the team got off to a hot start and they were playing really well with, with Blake at quarterback. And then boom, the injury happens. You know, Aaron Brooks comes in, you know, fresh new face, and he plays really well. The Saints win their first playoff game ever with Brooks at quarterback. And so all of a sudden, you know, at this point, you can't take him out. You know, he, he's won the first playoff game ever. He, he's red hot, playing well. And so there was the situation where you had a guy with a big contract that wasn't the starter anymore, and you had to commit long-term now to Aaron Brooks, who was ready to have a new contract. And so my theory is that around this time when Brooks was injured, you know, you had another guy in Jake DeLome who could have come in and played well. And, and I think... Hazlitt was maybe a little gun-shy making that change, remembering uh-huh. how things played out with Blake and Brooks, and he didn't want another situation where a backup came in, played well that he had to commit to, uh, with a ha- with a high-paid quarterback being a backup again and being saddled with a contract that he- for a guy that wasn't playing uh, because Brooks was his guy. Do you think there's any truth to any of that, potentially? I-
4: Number one, I don't think you're crazy. <laughs> number two, number two, you're not off base, and number three, you are ninety-nine point nine percent right. However, let me give you guys some facts that you you probably never won't hear you never heard before. And I'll do this because I don't do interviews that often, but I like to give you some juicy information <laughs> when I when I do do interviews. I love it. And Tampa Bay. First game of the season, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Brooks wants a new contract. Jake Gallon is ready to play. All, all, all has, has to do is make the call. Aaron, we're not paying you right now. Um, Randy Mueller, I think, I think Randy Mueller was still the general manager at the time, or Mickey Mummers one of the two. They could have made a decision. You know what? Aaron Brooks is not is complaining about a contract. We're going to go with Jake and we're going to sit this one out, and we're going to let Jake do his thing. They didn't want to start. I think they didn't want to start the season off with Jake DeLong and they make that decision, sit Aaron Brooks out, let him stay in, in New Orleans, and then uh, we lose that football game, and, and now their careers are at stake. Aaron Brooks, whoever his agent was at the time, was a genius. He was a genius, and he and he probably isn't getting any props for, for this call, so I'll give him something. <laughs> Aaron Brooks was told not to get on the bus don't even get on the bus you don't get on the bus they have to do your deal they have to do it because that's how bad they want aaron brooks to play aaron practiced the whole summer he won the training camp he he practiced all the way up to the to the time we was getting on the bus to go to tampa guess what guys aaron brooks was not getting on the bus unless he had a contract now you might get people to say joe's lying Blah, 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 blah. Joe Horn ain't lying because Joe was there at, in the middle of the damn football team. And it was a great, great decision by his agent. And Aaron Brooks. I give Aaron all kudos for making that decision. Because he got his deal done. That was one of the biggest reasons he got his deal done. You know had I, they made that had they made that decision to start Jake DeLong, Dillon, I can't say Jake would have been a pro bowler that year. I can't say he wouldn't have went there and got hurt. All I'm saying is Jake was ready to play, he was throwing great footballs, and Aaron had a strong arm. Jake had a strong arm. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for Jake.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Joe, that's interesting that you bring that up. I was thinking about that. You know, if I rem- if I recall right, Aaron Brooks' his contract it got leaked out that it was done on a Friday night. When the Saints were in transit to Tampa, and we were, and we were like, "Man, that's a weird, that's a weird time for John Clayton to be reporting that Aaron Brooks did a contract." But we didn't think of it, you know. Buddy said that the late Buddy D, and we just were like, "Oh, it's you know, contracts get done when they're done," and we just went about our business. And yeah. but now that I think about it, I'm like, you know, Fridays when the Saints travel, yeah. eh, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> Joe, your best season for the Saints is is 2004. Uh, you know you uh you had 1399 yards receiving 11 touchdowns but my question to you is as a
4: receiver when did what was the most important no, thing? no 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 what year did we come back for katrina, uh,
2: katrina. Oh, oh 05 2005 that was my
4: that was my best season sir
2: yeah well that yeah, of course that game you 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 had statistically, the bi-
4: statistically Statistically, I, I get where you're coming from. My numbers show <laughs> that I had the best season. From my heart, my best season was when we came back home. Tell uh, us. Oh,
0: you're saying 06, 06, the year of the NFC Championship game?
4: No. He's- that's my best year in season Chicago. Of my
3: life. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Joel- no, when we, listen to me, guys. Let me, I'm breaking it down for you. When we came back home that year, we were getting our asses whooped in San Antonio. Well, that's another thing. When we came back home that year, Yeah, when we got when we came back home and we played that first home game in the dome,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: that whole season to me, I don't care if we'd have went one in fifteen, that was my best career year ever.
2: Well, here's my thing, Joe. Now
4: you you, you get my drift.
2: No, I I completely understand. I want you to. I remember that first game in Carolina. Y'all were ahead. I think you were ahead by like ten, and it sort of slipped away. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading Mm -hmm. in Sports Illustrated on the sideline that you basically Uh walked up and down the sideline and were like, we are not losing this game. We are not Mm -hmm. losing this game. And I think Aaron Brooks hit you on three straight passes at the end of the game. And (laughs) Carney gets the field goal. Can you take us back to that, just all that sequence, that first couple weeks in that game in particular, the emotions and what it was and what it meant?
4: Yeah, man, seeing all the stuff that I've seen – in Louisiana, talking to all the people who lost lives and taking me through things that happened in that dome. Bro, football, man, I, I didn't think they even wanted us to play. I, I didn't even, I didn't have a, I didn't care about football. When, when I talked to that, those people in, the, in, in, in San Antonio, I mean, the San Antonio, at, no, at Astrodome in Houston, bro, it brought a whole new life in me. And I, I really realized that day how much they love football, how much they love the Saints. That's the first time I realized how much the city loved the Saints. When they, after Katrina, all that happened and you still wanted, they were, they, all they could care about was beating Carolina. I, I said to myself then, you know what, if I lose my life, if I lose my life on the football field this year, then I'm ready, I'm ready to die. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to die and I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to play and try to win every game. Even in New York, when they made us go to New York, it was, it was, it was terrible having them making us go to New York. But you know what? I went to New York with a feeling in my heart that I'm, I'm riding with the Louisiana, state of Louisiana with me. Mississippi and Louisiana, everybody who, who, who went through the hurricane, I'm playing for them this year.
2: For 2005, I think, I think it's, a, it's an amazing feat that you guys won three games considering you had to practice in a parking lot. You played home games <laughs> in three different stadiums. You know, what was, was, funny, what, what was one thing in that, in that season where you're trying – y'all are trying to win football games every week. What's one thing that happened where you went, I cannot believe, as an NFL team – and I know Louisiana suffered, and and that's – and that – we all know that. But what's one thing that happened during 2005 that you were like, I can't believe we're an NFL team, and we're doing this?
4: I was at practice. I was at practice, and and, and, and Mr. Tagliabue didn't cancel the season for the New Orleans Saints. I – I, I was dumbfounded, I was cold, dumbfounded, and I finally realized that it wasn't about lives in the NFL. It's not about your safety, It's all that's all a smoke and mirror. That's bullshit. It's about the dollar bills. It's about the money, man. I knew right then and there, I said, these people don't care about nobody's lives. They care about making money on Sunday. They care about these people buying tickets. That's what the, that's what the NFL, com, um, 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 that's what they were concerned about. After I saw that and I, I was doing interviews, I couldn't say what I wanted to say. But at, at the end of the day, listen, we pay you guys money. We have to get ours. We don't care. We don't give a shit about Katrina. We don't care nothing about who, who died. All that stuff is okay. It happened. But guess what? We got to play these games because this is what matters the most. That's when I realized that it's a business. And business is bigger than life mm. in the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, I remember, you know, the Saints being on the West Coast when Katrina hit. And, um, you know, you guys having to come back basically not knowing what the situation was with some of, some of the families of the players and where they were evacuated that season, and cell phones that didn't season work at that point. That season should have been
4: canceled. Yeah, That I season agree. should have been canceled. And it was embarrassment. For the NFL to show the world that, that that money meant more than lives, period. You, I mean, would you say
2: your the what your thoughts that you just gave us about they should have canceled the season for the Saints and they? Would you say that's the majority of the if the 2005 teams if y'all got together for a union? Would you say that's the uh, majority opinion of the team or
4: how how Listen, upset? No, well, 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 no, no. No, not the majority, because the majority wasn't getting paid like we were.
2: Okay. Let
4: me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I know some of the guys had to eat. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that weren't making a lot of money like, come on, would have probably said, come on, Joe. Man, we can't afford to sit out, man. We need to get our little $5,000 mm-hmm. check every week. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The guys that were making $5 million a year, the guys that were making a big buck should have said, you know what? We're going to get together, and we're going to pay the guys. We're going we're gonna to go on our bank accounts, and we're going to pay the guys that can't afford to really 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 sit out we're going to give them the money that they would have made this year mm-hmm. that's what real ballers and that's what cats on the team knew Joe horn was see I would have gave up three million mm-hmm. I would have went to my bank account and pulled out told my CPA I need two million dollars because we're gonna split it up with the guys that can't afford to play and we're gonna can we're not playing this year that's what that's what I was ready to do
2: do you feel like the the Katrina year, that there besides not, do you feel like the? Because I know I had read and I had talked to players. Do you feel like the NFL not only maybe that making you play was one thing, but they didn't really they didn't really do enough for the Saints players? But you guys couldn't speak up because they would have painted you as the bad guy, saying, "Hey, these football players are asking for A, B, and C, and these play, people in Louisiana are suffering." But at the same time. You're professionals. You want to have the best opportunity to win games, to be competitive every Sunday.
4: Yeah, man. They, they, I think they could have did Mr. Benson's family better than than. I think they could have offered more than what they offered them. You know, uh, and, and uh, man, listen, man. Mm. When, when 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 Mr. Tagleboos sent down his representatives or whoever to come talk to us, man, and and I and I told this story one time. And, and I'm, and I'm going to tell it on your podcast, man, because I do believe you guys should get good interviews, and mm-hmm. I barely do interviews. I'm going to tell you guys a story that happened. I was, t- I was brought in the room. Mr. Tagliabue was on the phone, speakerphone. I told Mr. Tagliabue, I said, for the New Orleans, and this is my Super Bowl. This is, that's why every time I, I ride across that bridge and I see that dome, I know that's my Super Bowl ring. That dome is my ring. I don't need a ring on my finger to say I won a Super Bowl. I know the fans in New Orleans love Joe Horn, and that's my house. That dome is my house. Because I know what happened on Katrina, and I know if it wasn't – I know in my heart of hearts, and I'm not trying to take credit. I'm not. But I'm telling you facts. I'm giving you truth, what you guys never heard about Mm -hmm. behind closed doors. I told Mr. Taglebo, if we don't go back to New Orleans – and help rebuild that city. I'm retiring. I'm not playing in the NFL no more. I have enough money in the bank. I can retire right now. I'm not going, I can't play in San Antonio. Although I know Mr. Vincent's family, um, um, geographically, and I know the money would have been great. And I know the city of San Antonio was great. They treated us like Kings. It wasn't right for me to play football San Antonio when the, when the saints and the fans there were bleeding. It was only right, and I told Cagliaboo, you guys have enough money to fix what's going on in New Orleans. And I think the NFL, you have a chance right now to rebuild the NFL's image. The way you can do that is have us re- awarded back to New Orleans and let us go back there and let's go and let's open that dome back up that you guys are thinking that will never, ever, ever be played in again. I said, I'm not playing if you don't do that. Now, I'm not saying they took my words <laughs> and said, you know what, let's do but the next morning on ESPN, <laughs> the Saints were awarded back to New Orleans. Nobody never heard that story, but every time I come to New Orleans, I get chill bumps and tears come <laughs> out my eyes. Yeah, they won a Super Bowl. Sean Payton did a hell of a job. Drew Brees, all those guys worked their asses off to win that Super Bowl against the Colts. But I was not upset because I know once I come to New Orleans, that, that dome and every time I see it is my Super Bowl ring. And I know I'm a part of the New Orleans Saints coming back to New Orleans.
0: Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you were one of the guys that kind of set, set you know, had the legacy that set the tone for how it was going to be post Katrina when those when the team came back and everything. But uh, but yeah, Joe,
4: yeah, if you could pick would have one, Super Bowl in San Antonio. I mean, right? <laughs> exactly. Happen. No, we we wouldn't uh, yeah, have, yeah. Well, we
0: wouldn't we wouldn't be on this podcast mm. right now if that no. was the case. <laughs> um, right. But 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 Joe, if you can only pick one memory. Of your time playing as as a football player, and I know you said you know the t- whole two thousand and six season was your best season and your best memory, but if you can only pick one moment uh, for you as a player, uh, what what was the most special to you?
4: When um, Steve Gleason blocked a field goal. Yeah, and you know yeah. blocked block the blocked the when he, you know when he when he blocked the um, punt.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ralph, Ralph I, I don't know if you were in the stadium that day. I was. I, a, I was. A, that that's the loudest the super super domes. Did you guys feel that as players? The loudest that's ever been
4: in there? Yeah, man. Um Steve, Steve, uh um, Steve blocked the field goal. That was that was big.
2: Joe, um, you know, I remember th- you're kind of getting. I think feel like you're getting emotional now. And you got. I remember after that game, you got emotional when ESPN talked yeah. to you. And, and a lot of guys, it just sort of overwhelmed you. Even though you know mm-hmm. you obviously you've been in big moments your whole career. Can you sort of take us into the that, that, that moment as a, as a player, the whole, the whole, the, yeah. the block pun and the whole experience of it.
4: Yeah. I, I knew, um, when, um, the, I was in San Antonio when I heard that they said that the, the dome would never be played in again. They would probably blow it up because of the, um, everything that happened. So many stories um, that happened in that dome and, um, Crying on my, on my bedroom in San Antonio, man. I just had a feeling that it couldn't, it couldn't be that way. So just to come back off the plane, man, it was like a dream, man. Just to come back in there and look up in the stands and look, look to my right, look to my left, man. and see people crying, hanging over the side of the wall, just, just back in that dome, man.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That was the most, that was the most, Emotional that was the most heartfelt. I, I felt like I was on cloud nine man I felt like that was a night. I was going to risk dying mm-hmm. I was ready to die that night
3: mm-hmm.
4: I didn't care if I had to go across the middle I didn't care if a guy hit me <laughs> in my neck I didn't care if they had to take me off the stretcher. if they had to come on the field and take take me off the stretcher and they Pronounced me dead on this on in the locker. I would have been I would have been okay. It would have been, I would want my family to say, my, my, my husband, my daddy, he died because he, all he wanted to do was come back and play that game for the people there in New Orleans. So if I would have been crippled, if I would have never moved again and been in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I would have been okay. That's how, that's how much I felt we owed the, the fans in New Orleans. It wasn't enough. A Super Bowl, a Super Bowl wasn't enough. It's not enough for the fans that, in New Orleans. Joe
2: it's, it, it's Joe you're amazing um, Andrew do you have any any more questions I have I have one last
0: thing No I, man I mean this it's uh go, you know go for your question I man that's well, uh, bef- it's powerful stuff man. It is Joe I want to end on a lighter
2: note you remember uh Kenny Wilkerson he was the the Saints uh sideline reporter and and I believe he did a uh, a show with you the Joe a Joe Horn show at at a steakhouse in New Orleans and he told me you know I I know you're you're uh, fear of flying is kind of a, a well-known thing, you, you, and he told me the story of of why you don't like to fly. Would you mind sharing that story with us? I think it's pretty a um, uh, pretty amazing. And once I heard, I was like, "Yeah, FF, that that makes sense."
4: Well, it's just so many stories, man. Man, Kenny, man, we, <laughs> I told him so many <laughs> stories, man, Kenny, man, Kenny, um. Man, you that's why I hate doing interviews from Texas, Louisiana, man. I, I bring back memories, man. And I just, I, golly. Kenny was, man, my, my, my boy, man, because he was so real. And I told Kenny, sometimes, man, you say you're too real, Kenny. And sometimes co- coaches and general managers can't deal with how real you are, man. They're going to get rid of you. And they did, man. I mean, it's, that's another story. But, man, he was done wrong, bro. But anyway. Anyway, I I've told him so many stories about flying, man. I, I, it's just so many. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? I he told me a story that when you
2: were, I believe, uh, at 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 Ittawan, uh at Ittawan, Junior College, or uh, your first time with Kansas City, you were doing like a puddle jumper plane, and the plane was taken off and the pilot i forget what he said did something wrong and almost hit the tree
4: and like pulled up oh, at the Oh, no lap. no no we was oh we was coming from San Francisco man i cannot remember vividly we was coming into um, Kansas City man and and there was fog you know when it's 10 15-mile visibility they let you know you know guys we may have to circle around because we can't see the we can't see the runway you know we don't want to go with the computer we just want to be able to see visibility we don't have that Man, you talking about once we started descending, and we got down all of a sudden, man, the plane nose was down, but we was he yanked it up and everybody woke up. I was already up because I, <laughs> I can't. Sleep. Uh, he rose up. He rose up real quick with the plane. Everybody was like, "Whoa!" And he was like, "Man, you see them trees?" And I was like, "Oh my goodness, this, man! This, we 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 almost we almost hit trees. I mean, he because they didn't see the runway, he had to pull up real quick in the air." And right then and there, man, I was like, you know what, I I got to make a decision to either stop playing football and do something else. I mean, I was a great baseball player, too, because I I was making a decision right then and there. Once we hit that, that once we did land, I said, I'm going to start playing baseball. (laughs) I'm going to go out on, go off of baseball. (laughs) And I know in baseball, you got to fly, too. But, you know, you can take buses. Most of the time they take buses, too, you know, so. Well, you, like, guys, you guys, you guys talking about this
0: reminds it. me of the uh, of a quote from Joe Horn, which was uh, before the Pro Bowl. And, and I remember uh, a media. You were pretty close in terms of stats. It, you know, it was one of those seasons where obviously you made a bunch, but there was one season where you were kind of in competition with a few receivers, and it wasn't clear you were going to make it that year. And you kind of said, "You know, I've been to Pro Bowls, and if I don't make it." I, I'm kind of fine with that because I'd rather just not fly to Hawaii.
4: (laughs) Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, Uh, without a doubt.
2: Joe, before we get you out of here, um, I want to tell the people again, uh, how they, um, how they, uh, how they get in touch with, uh, the, uh, got hands, and future, future underscore 12 on Twitter. Uh, go there it's going to be a you know it's going to be a wonderful camp for kids they're going to get experience of their lives and it's 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 the third year he's done it joe horn you're mm-hmm. uh, thanks for giving us time tonight guy and um, good luck with the camp and hopefully hopefully we'll have you back next year and you'll be doing it again bigger and better
4: thanks a lot guys I appreciate you guys having me man um yeah they can go to gothandsuniversity.com once you go to gothandsuniversity.com You'll find out everything you need to know. June fourteenth through the seventeenth is in Monroe, Louisiana. So if you got a kid that's in the seventh or eighth grade from Louisiana, I think I'll be the head. I'll be the head coach for the Louisiana team. So you better have your seventh and eighth grade out on the football field trying out. And um, man, hey, man, it's, it's a great opportunity for these kids to really feel like they're in college, man. And 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 anything you can give them, man, to give them from on that next level to get their academics done. One thing I tell I tell people I do football camp sometimes but I don't want to do football camps and it's all about how great that athlete is physically on the football field majority of your football fans should be have them in the classroom talking to them about life talking to them about what they should be doing in school because that's when you become the champion off the football field we already know you're f- superstars on the football field but what could you what can you do off the football field to make sure that you're a champion, and that's what I like talking about when I do banquets, when I speak at gatherings and stuff like that. But guys, I appreciate you having me tonight. I love Louisiana. That's my heart. You know, that's what hopefully, you know, my son, my son right now, JC, I don't talk about him much. He has 17, 19 offers right now. He's a junior cornerback at Alpharetta High School. I don't know why LSU have an but (laughs) Come on, Tiger. Come on, Ed Ocheron. But South Carolina Gamecocks, Ole Miss, um um mizzou tennessee all those colleges are are coming at him and hey you know hopefully he'll get that he'll get that opportunity we'll have that opportunity to make that maybe one of his choices to come back to louisiana so we'll see
2: all right joe horn thanks guy for joining us thanks joe
4: this is great man we appreciate you coming on man my man god bless fellas
2: all right, that Joe Horn pod, that Joe Horn interview was fantastic. Now we're joined by Kevin yeah. and Dave. Thanks,
0: for- thanks to Joe um, for doing that. Yeah. And, uh You know, I mean, I, I just want to say real quick, like I remember as a fan, I mean, he was awesome. <laughs> just he was a great player, but you know, I think football is about not only watching amazing athletes make great plays, and he was unquestionably that. I mean, I think he's, you could argue he's the most dominant receiver. In Saints history,
3: oh, it's not even. Um, it's not even but
0: close. but he but he was entertaining. You know, it, it was it was the entertainment fact. He he was the complete package. So uh, man, to have him come on and spend some time with us was really cool.
2: Yeah, we got announcement to make. Ta da! We hit the hundred donations for the Drunk Saints podcast. That'll start next week. Me and Andrew are gonna record the first episode. It might be it might need to be two episodes. It might be month one and month two. We're gonna do the Dick of Years as the opening podcast, and me and Andrew did a rundown today. Andrew, that rundown is long. Of the, I mean, it's, it's
0: unbelievable how We've, much we came up with.
2: I forgot, like, half of it. I was like, oh... That remember, was just
0: from memory,
2: yeah. Yeah, we gotta go back and do research. So, we got that, and as a thank you, we're not gonna ma- ask for 100 donations of $12 to get the second podcast every month. We're only gonna ask for 50, and because Dave's mom is giving... <laughs> His inheritance to me, and made six <laughs> donations this morning. We are only 28 12 twelve-dollar donations away from a second podcast a month. Thanks to to Daris, Darren, who donated a hundred a hundred. He get he donated eight donations of twelve dollars, which was awesome. Uh, so thanks, Darren. Uh, so we're we're thanks, twenty. Thanks, Mom.
5: And we're, Me and we're, the kids are gonna have to eat. Ramen we're it. we're
2: twenty eight. Th- uh,
5: <laughs> but at least at least we'll be doing the podcast every week.
2: Yeah, we we, can, uh, we can oh, no,
1: oh no! no, Dave! You, oh no, Dave! You won't. You'll only be able to go out to eat three times a week. <laughs> uh, you won't be able to get. You won't be able to get that, fe, that fancy crème brûlée this time.
5: Um, I had brunch at Commander's Palace. <laughs> of course you of did. Of course he did. <laughs> the foodie. Uh,
0: um, Bottomless mimosas, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, so
2: uh, the biggest Saints news <laughs> was I don't know what uh, parade it is, but there's a Mardi Gras parade that's gonna have a, a falcon. It was, Bacchus. It was it's Bacchus. They have a float, the young and the wrestli- the young and the ringless, nope. the young and the ringless, and it's got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the float. <laughs> Pictures Froodle. and. That is Kevin. That's peak Saints fan, in my opinion, because we are a petty, petty haterade bunch. It's that is peak Saints fan. I
1: think absolutely. It's it's been tweeted out by SB Nation. It's been tweeted out by Darren Ravel. Like that's that's national. That's yeah. big time. Like us being <laughs> Pet- us as as a as a fan collective. Us being petty, happy assholes on last Monday and Tuesday and all that stuff. That was just, like, whatever. I mean, like, some Pates, uh, Pats fans' places were were cognizant of it and, you know, were giving us, like, daps or whatever. And, th- and that was all fine and dandy. But this, th- this uh, I think, might have alerted the, a lot of uh, Falcons fans, oh, wait, this is going on. Because I finally started noticing sniping on Twitter. And, frankly, I don't even know what Falcons fans are sniping for because... Your team blew a, blew a twenty-five point lead <sighs> in a quarter and a half of a Super Bowl on national television in front of in front of a a, a large audience. Here's my thing. You'll see, I don't I don't know what
0: that feels like
1: yeah. I don't need. I We want our Super Bowl, Dave. this. Yeah, the Drew Brees, Drew Brees, man, Drew Brees going to suck eventually. Yeah, well, eventually, sure. Eventually, I mean, eventually we're all going to die. Dave,
2: I thought of this today. I think Atlanta blowing the twenty-five point lead in the Super Bowl. I think it's brought the Saints-Falcon rivalry among the fans to like DEFCON twenty-five, like whatever you
5: did there, (laughs) whatever,
2: whatever you want to say. Like the rivalry is—it's gone because of this. It's to another level now. I think.
5: I no, I, I think you're just spot on there. and like I said last week after the game when we talked, uh, I was listening to Rich Eisen's show and he had mentioned he he, he, he it didn't even dawn upon him um, that Saints fans would be the one to get the most joy out of the Falcons blowing a 25 point lead. Um, so not only that, but I, I think it just brings attention, national attention to um, to the rivalry which which inherently makes it stronger so yeah absolutely i'd
0: I'd like to think that we have done a little small part in this just with like our our continued falcon hate on this podcast
2: i want to say something this last week was our most listened to podcast we had over uh almost seven thousand downloads. We have almost 11,000 total listens. It's the most listened to podcast we've had since the Monday after the Broncos game. So, take that 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 take that for what it's worth. Um, the, the Saints are the defensive line coach, yada, 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 whatever. Um, <laughs> no one cares. I mean, no one cares. Let, I mean, let's be real. Um, so... Um, let's see uh i'm gonna look at the twitter and see if we have uh, any non-joe horn uh saints twitter questions uh but uh it's mostly just joe uh it's mostly just uh atlanta bashing uh how glorious is the ringless float uh brian asked uh, th- uh andrew how glorious is it
0: yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it. I think it's just we're we're reaching a level of petty um, that's just only heating the rivalry. And you know, there's some stuff like the Roddy White comments about how the Saints only won because of Katrina. They only won a Super Bowl because of Katrina. and you know the the Atlanta radio show host who made fun of um, Gleason. Steve Gleason. Like those are the things you remember. And you, you hold on to those things
5: and, you I know, that fuels, that, the, that, e,
0: that fuels the rivalry. You know, that, that's where it gets personal and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll take it personally and it only makes it more toxic. Held, if you are
2: in the bathtub right now, I am going to beat your ass.
1: I'm <laughs> sitting on the couch.
2: i of sitting you sitting on
1: the couch for like Dave, the last eight minutes.
2: Are you, one of you yokels in a bathtub? I swear to God. I will drive I your. I will drive to your house and drop a toaster <laughs> in the tub.
1: I thought <laughs> I about I heard. thought you were going to say you were gonna drop but it. Are up you hearing back. splashing or something? I'm
2: hearing splashing in the
1: bath. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. It sounds like a like a um like one of
5: those office water coolers. <laughs> really?
2: Dave, Dave's in the bathtub right now eating. Eating.
5: I am outside on my porch
2: eating hand eating candy by the fistfuls. Um, <laughs> Um is there any jut magutesk? is there anything more petty than a float uh commiserating twenty
5: eight to three no anything more petty than that yeah uh, I mean making fun of a natural disaster that may or may not have struck a, a sea mm. uh that's pretty petty
3: yeah
2: Hmm. How many? This is from Hugh Winkler, Andrew. I mean, uh, Kevin. How many yards would Drew Brees have to throw for next year to move past Kevin Zeitler for Pf's, PFF's number eighty-two
1: spot? <laughs> <laughs> Odd, oddly specific. That's a. Uh, that's a. Oh.
2: I guess that's the list came out, and and is number eighty-two, and Drew Brees is number eighty two. I mean, what a
0: what a greatly phrased, thinly veiled question. Thanks mm-hmm. you. He's
2: a, he, he's donated. He's he's a he's a he's a diehard. love you. Uh, I mean, so, I'm, gu- I'm
1: guessing. I'm guessing he's got to do what 50, 5, <clears throat> 40 touchdowns, ten uh, less than ten interceptions to to, to even think about uh, getting past eighty.
2: Zietler's. I hope the Saints sign him, but he's going to be making like twelve million. He's he's probably the best guard in the free agent market. Um. Let's see. Um. Uh, um, uh, what the what the fuck was up with the Grammys? Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna that that's from that's from Lon. Uh, I'm just gonna say this. I'm a big George Michael fan, and having Adele sing "Fast Lane" by George Michael slow
5: was that the song that she screwed up at yeah, the beginning and had to redo? Screw-
2: yeah, she should have just walked <laughs> off the stage when she botched it. That was, let's give a whole draft for Ricky Williams' bad idea. I mean, <laughs> just awful idea. The Prince tribute was nice, but the Ad- Ad- Adele tribute to George Michael, you would it would have been a better tribute if you'd have had me walk out with a boombox and hit play, and Freedom would have played.
0: They, they didn't do any cool tributes like that for Scott Weiland. <sighs> no,
2: it's messed they, up. No, they didn't. Um... That's about all. I mean, we we had mostly Joe Horn questions that he just he just went off and we kind of went off script and let him talk about whatever the hell he wanted to talk about. Um so uh any 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 of you have any thoughts on the Saints defensive line coach that I don't know his name before we get out of here?
0: He's not Bill Johnson.
3: <laughs> He's not.
2: evening. <laughs> um, Good evening. <laughs> That's the way, is that what's Bill Johnson's? Is that's the way it is? That's the way it
1: was. No, that's that's Walter Cronkite.
2: What, what was what was uh what was Bill Elder? What was Bill Elder's sign off? I can't. I'm Bill Elder. No, no, it was something else. But we we should know it, but we don't. Uh, well, I mean,
1: all I remember about Bill Elder is is he he talked some uh, some knucklehead out of a uh a, was it the Superdome? He talked some knucklehead out of a uh. From holding a hostage with a knife and uh, talked him out of the room and, and got him arrested. I remember that.
2: Oh, here's a question from Math Murderer. Better ending for Super Bowl 51. Atlanta wins OT quarterback coin toss. Matt Ryan gets sacked for safety. Two point jokes forever. I don't know. That would have been. That would have been.
0: I- I don't know. Just the way it was was pretty amazing. Uh, I mean,
2: that's like trying
1: to...
0: That would have been a better ending. Yeah, true.
2: <laughs> this is a good one. This is political, but me and Kevin will like it. This is from Daniel Dale. Trump's see you in court is like if Matt Ryan had gone gone home and tweeted, see you at the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> yes, it
2: is. Uh, let's see. Um um. Let's see. That's pretty much it uh, for the questions. This this is abbreviated podcast with all three of us. But like I said, uh, we're gonna have to, we were we four were four, ca- of it was four of us. Four uh, of us. I don't really I don't really count because I'm a mediocre host. Well, it's you three and me. Uh I'm like Paul. I'm like I'm like uh, Paul Spicer. I'm just. Uh, yeah, you just
5: you're, these are one of the facts you're giving us.
2: Sean just, Spicer. Sean Spicer. Whatever.
1: You're thinking of Paul Reiser.
2: <laughs> Reiser. Oh, I hate no, he's thinking
5: guy. of Paul Spicer, the guy that used to play defense for the Saints. Oh
1: yeah. Uh, so was here, there a dude named Paul Spicer who played for the Saints? There was. No, so he's. Absolute.
5: Wait, uh, was, was his first name Paul though? I don't know. I think so. Uh, <laughs> um,
2: so I totally. I, oh, I was what I was going to say. The the um the topics for Drunk Saints history that we are all going to do is are is going to be amazing. Uh, we were kicking not only the Dicky years. I mean, we have the River City Relay, we have um, the 87 goal line stand, we have fun memories the the, the NFC championship. Um what we had, we there is so many. We might we might even try to get uh, real news people to come on with me loaded and see how long they'll stay on the call before they realize <laughs> that I'm that I'm plowed. Or Like really
5: legit get <laughs> Don't don't half-ass this shit. Like you got to really get with drunk.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, I'll I'll be I'll be drunk. Part of the thing that's going to be uh, a requirement for these other three knuckleheads is when they come on the, the 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 drunk Saints History podcast, they have to have set up recording. So not only am I recording it, but they're recording it. Because I'm probably going to be blitzed out of my mind, and it, we, we won't be able to do it again and again if I screw up the recording like we did
0: well, sometimes. Well, the sometimes. dream scenario here would be to have Ditka himself on while we list all of his failures, <laughs> mocking him. Oh, <laughs> and just have him react explosively to our comments.
2: I think it would just be a dial tone. <laughs> Oh no! You know what it would be? It would be him throwing down the phone, and then you would hear the the, the a golf ball getting hit. That's that's what it would be. So um, that wraps up today's show. Uh, thanks again to Joe Horn for coming on; he was amazing. Yeah, thanks awesome. To, thanks to everybody, Hollywood. Thanks to everybody for donating. Um, the the drunken. My mom. <laughs> your mom, Regina. Uh. The Drunk Saints history is going to be amazing. When we get the second podcast, you're going to get two extra podcasts a month all the way through the end of 2017. It's going to be amazing. So 28 more $12 donations. You could do it. Come on, people. Uh, So for Dave, Dave's mom, who's giving me Dave's inheritance, for Andrew uh, and for Kevin, uh, until next week, the bar is closed.